This episode of the Happy Hour with Johnny and Deuce is brought to you by Free Play Florida. Guys, you do not want to miss it. It is one of the greatest conventions going on today. And it's all about retro gaming, which is something here at the Happy Hour with Johnny Deuce. We absolutely love and adore. They've got all your retro game favorites from classic consoles to also your favorite classic arcade cabinets. And don't forget that the Happy Happy Hour Hour with Johnny and Deuce is the official podcast. And of course, your boy Deuce is the voice of Free Play Florida. You don't want to miss it. Johnny, when is Free Play Florida? It's going to be November 11th through the 13th, 2016 at the beautiful Double Trier Hotel in Orlando, Florida. Johnny, who all is going to be there? We've got the amazing CEO and spokesperson for Sega, Nathan Barnett, as well as video game historian Walter Day, and creator of some of the biggest titles, Rampage, Xenophobe, Disc of Tron, Satan's Hollow, Star Trek Voyager, and many more, Mr. Brian Colon, pinball designers Gary Stern and Jersey Jack will be there on display with their beautiful pinball machines, player of the century and star of King of Kong, Billy D. Mitchell, and world record holders Richie Knuckles and Todd Rogers will be there on display. And speaking of world record holders, there's going to be multiple world record attempts going on that weekend on a ton of different games. You don't want to miss it. You want to be there at the Doubletree by Hilton in Orlando. November 11th to the 13th. And don't forget to tell them that the Happy Happy Hour with with Johnny and Deuce sent you. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, of course, it is another episode of the Happy Hour with Johnny and Deuce, and I'm your man, Deuce. Johnny is on the way. He's going to be here soon, but we've got a very special guest with us this evening who will be returning again this year to Sci-Fi Bartow, which is brought to you by and and hosted by the great Sean Serdinsky and Lori Serdinsky. We couldn't do it without those two fine folks and the great folks at Main Street Bartow, but we've got John Crowder with us this evening. How are you doing, sir? Great. Thanks for having me on. Thank God I didn't butcher your name. That was the one thing I always, always for some reason, end up screwing up on is butchering people's names. How are you doing this fine evening? Very good. Very good. Well, I wanted to jump right into it because uh, you, of course, are are famous now for being the creator and and one of the the writer, I believe, of Rochelle the Teenage Cockroach. Yep, yep. And we're uh, published. We're semi-monthly series published by uh, Antarctic Press. We, we just got done doing a three-issue uh, three run, and numbers were really good, so we've extended the contract, and, and we're putting together the next three issues, which, by my estimate, will probably come out start coming out about this time next year. Okay, so you're doing three now, and then basically around next November, you're going to put out the next three? Next three. Okay. And we're doing in three-book story arcs. Oh, well, that's perfect, because that was going to be my next question was, does when I get done with the three, does a story arc in so it's not like a cliffhanger? Because we don't want you to be like The Walking Dead and leave me for a year no, waiting. Yeah. For a year, yeah. yeah. We'll, that's it. Well, we greatly, greatly appreciate that. Well, what has been so far the most fun you've had with this project? The most fun I've had, I have to be honest, is a lot of some people know this, a lot of people don't. I base the character physically on my daughter. Now, you'll hear cockroach and they'll say, how'd you base a girl on a cockroach? But not not her in her cockroach outfit, but her, how she looks physically when she's not a cockroach. And, and one of the reasons I did this uh, was because I wanted my daughter and for other, not just girls, but other teens to have a strong female lead character that is not over-sexualized in their, in their outfit. So probably the most fun I get out of this is my daughter does a lot of these conventions with me. In fact, she'll most, more, more than likely, she'll be at uh, Sci-Fi Bartow as well. She goes along with me in cosplays as well. Oh, nice. Well, that's one thing I've got to say, because A, I, I really like the idea that you did of having a very strong and empowering young female character, because I think that's great for our, 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 our female listeners out there and for young girls. It's always good. And I also like even in the Rochelle outfit, the, the you know, cockroach outfit, you're right. She's not over-sexualized. She's not showing hardly any skin minus her face. Um, so it's not, you know, it's not like some of the female uh, superheroes you have where it's all bustiers and all, you know, everything's hanging out. It, it's a lot more, um, it's a lot nicer, but it's a lot more subtle. And you don't need all that to sell a book because 
from what I hear word on the street, these things are selling like hotcakes, and not just locally, all over the world. All over the world. We've got fans sending pictures in from as far away as Greece and England and obviously all over the United States. Uh, you know, we've, we've really done well. We, uh, like I said, Antarctic extended our contract because we had such good numbers. We were picked up when issue one was released. We were picked up by uh, sciencefiction.com and comicsheatingup.net and a couple of other sites as, as the new must-have indie comics that were out there and top releases for indie comics. So we're really, you know, feeling that we're, we're being very competitive with, with a lot of the books that are out there. And, and obviously we're, we're gaining a lot of fans. Well, you are because I, I, I don't want to throw this particular person under the bus because I think he told me it in confidence. But one of our local comic book stores says he can't keep the damn thing on the shelf. He said every time it comes in, they're out within a week. Like, they're just, bam, they're gone. Well, that's good to hear. I can tell you there's a comic shop that's local to, to where my home is. And uh, we had scheduled, this is when issue one came out, we had scheduled up a, a book signing. And he called me and he said, do you have any, any comp copies from, from the publisher? And I said, yeah, why is that? He said, he goes, I ordered 24 and I got one left. Oh, he's like, yeah, I've got one for you to sign. So it's going to yeah. be kind of pointless if you don't come out with some copies. He was signing. He didn't even have any books left on the shelf. So, yeah, we were really happy. Well, let me ask you this, and this probably gets a little bit into the publishing world because they're only doing three issues. Are they still restocking stores with issue one, two, and three? Like, are, are stores able to go ahead and reorder and get more copies? Or how, how does that work from a publisher comic book standpoint? I, honestly, I, I can't give you a complete answer on that because I'm not really sure. I'm okay. sure if, if you go back to Diamond and, and get some. But if you're unable to find them in, the, in your local shop because they're sold out, you can always go to our publisher's website, uh, which AnarchticPress.com. Uh, and it's not just it's like Antarctic with a little dash press.com and you can order uh, back issues directly from the publisher. Well, that that's actually a great thing for our fans to know. Also, how can our fans find you on the internet? Okay, you can uh, if you go to Rochelle the teenage cockroach.com. That takes you directly uh, to the Rochelle page that then has subsequent links to all of our social media. So it's probably easiest just to go there and said telling you all the thing because we're on Facebook, we're on Twitter, we're on Instagram, we're all over the place. Well, also, do, go ahead. Okay. I'm sorry. Yeah, I do want to say, and you may get into this later, that we it's not the only book we're working on. You know, we've had the uh, – go ahead. No, that was going to be my next question was because this is the one I'm excited about because me and Johnny are what you call some old heads, especially when it comes to wrestling because we grew up during the 80s and loved pro wrestling and Nikolai was one of our favorites growing up. And, I mean, all the amazing stories he did. And you've actually got, and I want our fans to go out and check out his Kickstarter. Tell us all about the book, the Kickstarter. Give us all the minutia. I'll give you the whole thing. I mean, I'll be honest. I was like you. I was a huge wrestling fan as a kid. I remember when I was really young, probably five or six years old, was my first introduction to pro wrestling because my, uh, my, my great-grandfather, he was the biggest wrestling fan I'd ever met. And we, I'd, I'd be over at his house, and we'd be watching Wahoo McDaniel. Oh, there you go. Wahoo McDaniel, Dusty Rhodes, Black Jack Mulligan, those guys, watching it on his television set back when it was territorial wrestling. Right. Okay? And, uh, you know, territorial wrestling was huge. And uh, eventually a lot of those territories, and this will get into it in the Nikolai story, eventually a lot of those territories were, were, were consolidated by Vince McMahon Sr. Yeah. Okay. Now, what happened was a mutual friend of mine, uh, uh, me and Nikolai, once he took a look at Rochelle, he said, John, I got a friend who, who'd probably like to talk to you. His name's Nikolai Volkov. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Yeah. I remember Nikolai as a kid. And he said, Nikolai has got a really interesting life story, and he'd like to put it out there in a comic book format. And he's talked to some other creators and writers and artists and such, but no one ever gets back to him. I'm thinking, you gotta, you got to be kidding me. Nobody, nobody calls Nikolai that. So he gives me Nikolai's phone number, and I call him and uh, started talking to him. He's actually a volunteer with the Baltimore Police Department now. Oh, wow. And he's in. Do you want that guy rolling up on you? Probably not. <laughs> and he still gets in the ring. He's getting in the ring on the independent circuit every once in a while. But I, I get on the phone with him, and, and he tells me, I mean, he's, this guy's got an amazing story. His, his grandfather was the personal bodyguard for Emperor Franz Joseph. Holy cow. Back in communist Yugoslavia back in the day, and he was assassinated by communists. And Nikolai, at a very early age, and when I say early, I'm talking as a teenager, decided he wanted to escape con communism, and he did it. He defected at the age of 17. 
and uh, he, I know some of these names will ring a bell. Uh, he was introduced, he defected to Canada, and he was introduced to Stu Hart. Of the Hart Foundation. Yeah, and he's the father of, uh, of Bret Hart and, and uh, Owen Hart, and he's up in Calgary, and he was the, the founder of Stampede Wrestling up in Calgary. So Nikolai goes into Calgary, and he starts training with Stu Hart in the dungeon, and eventually he gets discovered. You know, he'd been wrestling tag team matches, but he gets discovered by Vince McMahon Sr., at the time that Vince Sr. was looking to consolidate a lot of these these uh, territories, and, and he grabbed Nikolai and, and another gentleman by the name of the Iron Sheik, uh, Hulk Hogan, yeah, uh, yeah, uh, Superfly Snooker, some of these guys, about 12 or 13 of these guys, and says, brings them all together and says, you're a core group of what I consider to be the top wrestlers in the world right now, and I want you to join me in creating this organization I'm going to call the WWF. He was running it as the WWF at the time. So he brought all these guys in. They came up with the plan for WrestleMania 1. You know, Nikolai goes, a lot of people know Nikolai went into WrestleMania 1 as the tag team partner of the Iron Sheik. Right. And, yeah, they faced Barry Windham and Mike Rotunda, knocked them off in WrestleMania 1 to become our world champ. So this series that we're doing now, it's a three-issue miniseries, tells this whole story about Nikolai from his childhood all the way up into his his making it into WrestleMania and eventually in 2005 becoming a Hall of Fame member for the WWE now. And, uh, I mean, it's really an amazing story to read. It really is. Well, and I wanted to ask you about that because I know you said it's going to be like a three-issue miniseries. Have you thought about, well, if this thing sells really well, we might do more or we might fill in some of the gaps of the story or maybe do more with it than just have it a three-issue book? Because, I mean, don't get me wrong, a three-issue book, I think, especially to wrestling fans, that'd make a hell of a trade paperback. I mean, you would sell those things like hotcakes. And that's the plan. That's the plan. We're going to do the three individual issues, uh, and, and we're financing all of them through Kickstarter. Which, how do they find that? Yeah, which you can do, uh, and for those of you who don't know what Kickstarter is, Kickstarter is a crowdfunding page that people use to get the money to create certain projects, whether it be comic books or movies or music or whatnot. Uh, Nikolai, we're doing it for him, we set it up, um, is, is funding his, the creation of his books, basically paying the artist, paying the printer, paying the writer, um, through a, a Kickstarter campaign. And it will be three Kickstarter campaigns. Okay. Currently, we're running the one for issue number one. Okay. If you want to find it, it's pretty simple. You just type in kickstarter.com. They make you sign up for a Kickstarter account, which costs nothing. They basically just ask you for an email address. Yeah. Then when it has a search engine, you just search under comics, type in Nikolai, and boom, it'll pop up our project. What you can do at that point is you can kind of scan down and look at all of the different incentives you can purchase. You know, the, the cheapest being $2 yeah. uh, will get you a PDF copy of, of issue one. For a print copy, you can get for $5, and it goes all the way down to you can buy original pages of the book. You can buy art commissions from Dell. You can buy autographed copies that are autographed by Nikolai himself autograph photos of Nikolai, a lot of neat stuff that's on there. You can pick the one you like, you do it, you get charged when the campaign ends, and uh, and then you'll get a piece of history. Now, once all this is said and done, those are limited copies that only only supporters can get. So those are only Kickstarter issue copies. Only the people on Kickstarter are going to get that first run. So if you want a first edition of this, I mean, five bucks, I mean, Pretty much that's what comics are going for now. You can't beat that. And to even go on there and maybe, and I know it's probably not the $5 marker. I'm sure it's a lot more. But to get a first issue, first print, first run signed by Nikolai, I mean, if you're a wrestling fan like we are and a couple old heads, because we, we love the old school 80s, the NWA, the WWF days, you know, the old school stuff, That that's a great Christmas gift. And it's a great, you know, something just to have in your collection as a wrestling fan. And that's important, what you said right there, too, is this campaign, we got about 12 days left in. The book is already done. So if you if you hop in there now and, and, and you grab one of those autographed copies or such, you'll have it by Christmas. Oh, well, that's perfect. Well, that's yeah. awesome. And it'd be a great Christmas gift for, for people, especially if you know the wrestling fans like uh, a lot of our fans are because we've got a big wrestling base, which is one of the reasons why I knew I was going to like you when I saw you at Sci-Fi Bartow because you had a Miz hat on. And I was like... <laughs> I was like, not only is he rocking a, a, a WWE hat, he's got a Miz, who's one of my favorite wrestlers, hat on. So I was like, okay, not only is this guy a fan, he's a fan of 
I shouldn't say more obscure, but I mean, he's definitely not a John Cena or CM Punk or, you know, one of the big names at the time. Like, he's a real fan to rock a hat like that. So I was like, this guy's going to be all right. I still wear that hat. I've kind of been become known for that. I think I wear it to just about every. Yeah, I've seen a lot of pictures of you in it. Like, you might actually have to go. I'm sure they're on sale by now, and you could get two or three more so you could alternate them out. But, like, every time I see you, you're in the same I'm awesome at, which I love because, like I said, Miz is one of my favorite guys going. Um, which actually will lead me to another question that I know is not comic related. Do you, do you watch the product now? Are you watching WWE now? I, I, I admit I do, I, 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 but I have to also admit I, people are different. And I, I'm not as big a fan now as I used to. I, I think a lot of people will say that. I mean, I've been a wrestling fan ever since I was in diapers, and I'll say, with me, it always has ebbs and flows. Like, when I was really young, I loved it. I, I, I went away from it. Then I came back when I was in high school because back then, that was that was the 90s, 2000, when you had WCW and you had WWF and you had the Monday Night Wars. And, I mean, everybody and their brother was watching. One of my favorite stories I always tell is, my dad's a member of a very big country club here in Polk County. And at the time, I watched everything. And I literally had doctors and lawyers coming up to ask me, who's fighting at the next pay-per-view? Are you getting the next pay-per-view? Are, you know, And asking me about storylines. And this was the early days of the Internet. So we had dial-up and we had you know dirt sheets. And they were asking me, like, what's the behind-the-scenes things going out around? And I'm like, I've got you know, doctors and lawyers and judges, you know, people that are way up in the higher echelons of the community asking me these things. And I'm like, you know, that's when you made it. Like when, when people that you would never think of wrestling fans will watch it. And then it kind of ebbed off again, I'd say about mid two thousands. But I will say, I think with NXT and with the brand split, I definitely think it's coming back and it's doing a lot more and all the new talent. Yeah. And, and I kind of followed the same track you did. I mean, I watched it as a kid, yeah. big on Used to watch the W uh, WCW and NWA on TNT. Oh yeah, Four Horsemen, everybody on there. on TBS, the Superstation. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. yeah we would visit my grandparents. Everybody else is having dinner. I'm in my grandparents' bedroom watching the Superstation on TBS. But in uh, growing up in Florida, you know, wrestlers were always around here. I remember oh, going yeah. to South Daytona was the home of uh, Kevin Sullivan, and I remember going to a, a restaurant a couple times, a couple restaurants in Daytona. He and very rarely back then would a would a, would a wrestler break character, and as you remember, he was like the, the past master. He was like the evil Satan guy. Yeah, he and was like the worst of the worst. I, I'm gonna be honest with you. At like 10 years old, he bought me a milkshake at Steak and Shake in Daytona. And I, uh, that's first pretty I, cool. Yeah. He was there with uh, oh god, who was the his crew? Sir Oliver Humperdinck was there with him. Oh wow. A couple of those guys, and then later on. I, my dad's an attorney. I'm an attorney for my regular job. And my oh, dad's, okay. I, I'm a little kid hanging out at my dad's law office, and I peek over the glass window into my dad's office, and sitting at my dad's desk is Kevin Sullivan and Angel. Wow. And I'm, I'm trying to explain to my mom that dad needs to be careful because how bad this guy yeah, is. Yeah, this guy's the worst of the worst. He might, like, body slam my dad through his desk. Yeah, he throws fireballs at people. We, someone's got to get in there, you know? And, and so I'm always a, a fan of huge fan of you know and it kind of died off. i mean big during the wcw wars with, with oh w yeah and it died off a little bit i do think there's a lot of potential in fact i was we just saw this organization kind of fall but uh i was just at tna filmings over in orlando so oh, I was, wow. went to some live filmings of that well we i well i can still say i'm still an annual pass holder at universal but what got me the pass to begin with was we would go to the TNA tapings all the time, and if you went in the park, you got, like, priority seating. So we'd be, like, front row. And, like, I got on the train right before Hulk Hogan showed up because Hulk Hogan was there for a while and Ric Flair, Mick Foley, and a lot of guys have found their way back home to the WWF. But um, – and AJ Styles, who now is, like, the biggest thing going in WWE. And it was really, really cool. And I like TNA as a product, and – um like I said, me and Johnny are huge fans of wrestling. We do a lot of podcasts with wrestlers and talk about wrestling. I just think TNA has kind of lost its way, and I think somewhere along the way they forgot who they were, and I hope before, you know, because now another company it looks like allegedly is coming in and doing some of the funding and helping them because they were, like, knocking on death's door of having to shut down the company. Now that they've got a little bit more funding, I hope they get back to remembering, hey, 
you know, we need to be the anti-WWE. We need to be the, the more mature, but also the more focused on the technical wrestling and the better storylines in WWE, because that's the, the problem with WWE right now. Yeah, and I think one of the problems maybe the TNA faced is, is trying to compete too quick. You know, you need to look at your homegrown talent. Yeah. Not trying to bring in some of these older guys and, and give them their last leg, you know, 55-year-old guys and put them in the ring. Yeah. And try and live off their glory. No, you know, don't mess with this. Well, Build I mean. Talent base and, 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 and run with it. I mean, you can, you can, if you have good wrestlers who have good technical skills and good mic skills, you can compete with the W. Oh, yeah. It doesn't actually take much, and I think that's the reason why, uh, uh AJ Styles ended up leaving because I mean he he was their homegrown talent he was probably the best thing they ever created and they just and excuse my French shit on him on the regular like they never would give him a title shot like he was always somewhere in the mid card I'm like this guy is the best on the mic and the best entering performer you have and you're you're imposing a glass ceiling on him for and and I apologize if it hurts anybody's feelings. Some of these WWE washups like Jeff Hardy and Kurt Angle, and not that those aren't great wrestlers, they are, but they've kind of had their day in the sun already. So you kind of need to look at who is the future and who is just like an attraction star. And I I, I think TNA WWE does a good job of of doing that, but TNA does not. Yeah, I was about to say the same thing. I mean, when AJ should have been getting that shot there, they were rolling through guys like Hulk Hogan. Hardys and uh, Christian is another one that comes to mind. Kurt Angle is another one that comes to mind. Uh, you know, in, in, instead of focusing on their own talent, they bring these guys in to try and compete in the ratings. They did the wrong thing. Those guys didn't have any time left. Of them. Yeah, and they had like RVD, who I love. Like, don't get me wrong, they brought in guys that I actually loved and liked, and the Dudley Boys that I loved and uh, still love. Um, you know, but you can't. You can't try and take a star that was made somewhere else, bring him into your organization, and think that that's going to be the 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 thing that solves everything. That that's it's not going to be your future. It's no, gonna... no, that's not going to be your magic bullet, if you will. I think is a, a good analogy because you've got to have something else to kind of bring to the table. And then they started pushing their X division to the back burner, which brought them to the table. Um, you know, honest, they should have looked at history. That's that's exactly what killed WCW. Yeah, and to recycle all those old WWF guys, WWE guys. That and putting them on huge contracts and things like that. And I'm I'm sure you know bringing in Hogan and Bischoff and all those guys probably didn't help their bottom line because they spent a lot of money. And then when they tried to, because they did it for, I want to, and I'm probably giving them the benefit of doubt saying they did it for a whole year, but for almost a year they tried to go live against Raw, and that was just a shit show. I mean, like. It was good as fans because we were excited about it, but I was like, there's no way you're competing against Monday Night Raw and you're spending all this money to go live. And it's like, put it on a Tuesday night because at that time there wasn't a Tuesday night SmackDown. It was Friday. I was like, put it on a night where there is no wrestling and then try and compete that way, build an audience. But they never did. And now, um, you know, Raw and SmackDown are, well, they've always been the king of the hill, but now they're really the king of the hill with Raw on Monday, and now SmackDown's moved to Tuesday because there's really no wrestling on Tuesday, and there's no sports. There's no pro sports except for basketball and hockey competing with it. So, I mean, they've got a good share of the market right now. Well, let me – what is your probably favorite wrestler right now, you'd say? Like, is there anybody – or a handful of guys that, like, when you watch, you actually, like, say, oh, this guy's wrestling, I'm going to tune in for I'll be honest, I really do like AJ Styles. I do, I do like uh, trying to, I mean, the technical wrestling is what I think is missing. So yeah. I, Ron Strowman, and, 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 and that's not, you know, uh, that's not really doing anything. It's another one of the big guys just tossing people around. Yeah. But AJ's probably the one who's kind of, and I think the ladies are doing a good job. Oh, the ladies are doing phenomenal. They have put ris- women's wrestling on the map and WWE's women's division really has put wrestling back on the map because the problem is it was always an attraction match or a sideshow or as we used to goof around because we do all the pay-per-views at my house which now we can do with the WWE network which saves me a ton of money um 
those were always like, okay, it's time to get another beer. Now it's time for the bathroom break. Like, it was like your break of the night. Or, oh, I'll go in the kitchen and I'll get some more ribs. You know, like, that was your time to, like, go do something else. But now it's like I'm getting my beers and my food during another match because I want to watch the entire women's wrestling match because it's so good. And then you got Seth Rollins. You got Dean Ambrose. I mean, those guys. Seth, I think, is honestly on the mic. And on the wrestling ability, I'd have to say right now, Seth's probably the best thing they've got going. I, I got to agree with you on that, too. I'd say in my top three, it's probably going to be him, Kevin Owens, and AJ Styles is probably the two top three guys they've got going because that Kevin Owens kid is great on the mic. He's great in the ring. And also what I like is he doesn't look like your atypical wrestler. Like he's a little chubby. He's got a beer gut, you know. He reminds me, if you can throw back to that old territory wrestling when you had yeah. guys like Dusty Rhodes and Blackjack Mulligan and, uh, and and those guys, they they weren't the ripped, you know, steroid-looking guys running around the ring. Yeah. They, as they look like, they look like they come out for a bar fight. Yeah. They nearly take it to you. Yeah. And he's a throwback to that. I really enjoy watching him. I do, too, and he's so good on the mic, and they put him with Chris Jericho right now, and that's some of the best television right now on tv is the two of them but also smackdown's doing a lot of good things like with the women's division aj styles being over there um a lot of guys are getting love that didn't get love before and i think it's good that they've got this brand split because now they got more time to showcase all the talent absolutely absolutely and one of the things i think that it's kind of a relief and you don't see this too often if there's any wrestler out there that doesn't break character i mean all of them do to some extent yeah if there's any out there that doesn't, it's probably Kevin Owens. I mean, this guy will sit there and slam people on Twitter. He doesn't break his character. No, he never breaks character. And supposedly, I've heard, because I don't know if he lives here locally, but he goes to some of the theme parks, and I've got to throw out allegedly on this. He stays on character even if he's at the theme park with his wife and kids. Like, he will not break character if somebody sees him as a wrestling fan. Like, he'll, you know, he won't tell him off in a bad way, but he'll definitely rib on him a little bit and, you know, give him a hard time and, you know, keep on going, so... And I, and I think that that's crucial. I agree. I think that's one of the things that, that's really hurt the industry over the years is because of the media and because of the social media and, and, and Internet and things like that. A lot of these guys, I mean, they stay in character maybe 10 percent of the time. Then they're posting pictures of them hugging everybody on the Internet. Online. Yeah. You know, it, it, well, kill, it kills the whole it kills the whole storyline. Well, and that was one of the things one of the shows I actually liked that they did was this show Total Divas that they put on E, which is all about the women's division. But it's all of them out of character, and you're right. Like, some of that kind of takes away from the mystique because you'll see a guy that's normally like a, a hard ass, like, oh, I'm the big bad guy, and he's hugging everybody, and he's, you know, being real nice to the girls, and you're like, well, but he's a bad guy. He's not supposed to do that, you know. And I saw that firsthand because Natty, Natasha. Yeah. Nat I'm sorry, Natalia and I heard yeah. She lived about ten doors down from me in West Chase. Oh, wow. So we— We'd see all the all the vans out front, yeah. Come when they're close, you know, and everybody's running. All the bad guys, all the good guys, they jog by, wave to everybody. Yeah. Well, th let me ask you about that because that's probably one of the coolest things anybody said on the podcast in a while. So you were living ten doors down from her, so you were there when she was filming and everything. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. How how was that being a neighbor and having all the production crews around and having all the the hoopla? Yeah, I mean. I didn't walk over there and try and get involved in it. I was one of those guys that always tried to play it cool. Yeah. Like, like Which she probably by. appreciates. Yeah, you know, exactly. Yeah, she, she'd jog by, and i just kind of, like, look up and wave, tell yeah. my wife, that's, that's Natalia Neidhart. Yeah. Or, or you, know? you see Tyson Kidd running by her husband and be like, that's Tyson Kidd. He'd be at the Publix down the street. You oh, know? wow. Yeah, you'd run into him all the time out. But, you know, you get to know some of these guys. I didn't get to know them that well, even though they live there. But yeah. it, you might know, and, and you actually interviewed him uh, because we, we coordinated him coming to Sci-Fi Bartow last year. Yeah. A uh, good friend of mine is Fred Ottman. Yeah, Fred Ottman is one of the salt-of-the-earth people, one of the nicest guys on the planet. Absolutely. And a lot of people, if, you, if they don't know that, that his real name, he uh, he was known as Typhoon or, or, or Tugboat or the Shockmaster. Yeah, we call it the mini faces of Ottman, like the mini faces of Foley. I'm like, and he actually got some shirts made up, and I don't want to take credit for it because I'm sure somebody came up with it before me, but it was like the mini faces of Ottman, and he's got like all three of them on there because he's so prolific, and he's done so many things. And, and I got to say, 
Fred is one of the nicest, coolest guys on the planet. He did our show, no questions asked. He hung out with us for an hour at Sci-Fi Bar to answer all of our questions. Just the nicest guy. Met his wife, who's super-duper nice. Just Gail, she's really Yeah, nice. she, that whole crew is just fabulous, and we can't say enough good things about him. Oh, yeah, I'll second that. He and I, over the last year or so, year and a half, have become really good friends. We've done several conventions together. Through him, I've become friends with Luke Williams and a couple of the other guys, and uh, we do a lot of these cons together. And it's, it's opened the door through them and through Nikolai that we – I can't disclose any names now, right. but we've – We've got several other books in the works with uh, some of these wrestlers from the 80s that uh, a lot of people would recognize. And, and, and you get to know these people, and you find out that they're, they're no different than we are. Yeah, they all put their pants legs on one pants leg, or the pants on one leg at a time, I guess is a saying I'm trying to say. And a lot of them are nerds like me. I mean, yeah. they love toys. They love comics. They love all this stuff. And it's exciting to them to, to actually meet someone who writes them or who draws them and to... And to thought that they would have books on themselves out there too so it's a lot of fun having a lot of fun well that's awesome and i'm 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 hoping maybe one day we'll get a book with fred that's my fingers crossed hoping because i think fred uh, Fred, yeah yeah, i'd love to have fred have his own book because a he'll promote the ever-living stuff out of it and two just such a good guy and i think he's got such good stories i actually think he's working with like a wrestling school over in tampa now he did he just opened a wrestling school yeah uh, with Frank Reyes over in uh, Tampa, and they're they're actually doing shows. They're not just training; they're training. So if you're into training, you can get over there, and he'll teach you how to be a wrestler or a referee. Yeah. But they're promoting shows with their own wrestlers. Some, some really good stuff going on. Well, that's that's really really cool, and and I probably shouldn't let this cat out of the bag, but I've told uh, Sean, who runs Sci-Fi Barto, I'm like. Dude, if you don't have them come out and do a wrestling show live at Sci-Fi Barto, I think you're totally missing the boat. Like, because I think that would be the coolest thing ever if they could. Because I mean, this year it's going to be seven blocks. Of course, Sci-Fi Barto is always free. But like I told him, I said, man, you've got all this room. If you could have him throw up a ring and do like an hour-long show and just have a handful of matches, especially you know they've got the legends that come. Like last year, uh, one of the Bushwhackers was there. He was there. I'm like, you could get some Blackjack Mulligan. I think was there. I remember who we had. We had Ron Bass. Yeah, Ron Bass was out there. Uh, Luke Williams was out there. Brian Blair, if you all remember, Brian Blair was yeah. with the Kings. Uh, Leilani Kai, who was the women's champion back in the '80s. Yeah. Was there. Yeah. So they had some really good good ones out there last year that's why i said i was like man you've got all these legends that come to the show they could probably get in the ring and do a little bit of something and then have these new guys get some you know get kick the tires a little bit if you will and get a little you know get a little exposure and i was like everybody wins so uh it, it's definitely an idea i i floated out to him i don't know if it'll happen i hope it does i'd love it because as a wrestling fan i told him i said we will shut down our booth for the hour that the wrestling's on because we will be there front row I, I said we ought to have a happy hour with Johnny and Deuce running. Like, we and Johnny should run in with a couple chairs and get laid out. Because I said, I, I will sign a waiver to get a power bomb from Fred. I was like, I will sign whatever I've got to sign to be able to get some sort of body slam or One take a those, couple chops. A nice tugboat splash. Yeah, there you go. I said, I, I will take any kind of maneuver from tugboat. I will sign the waiver, and I'll take the bump. So, uh Happy Hour with Johnny and Deuce is always down for something like that. And, of course, something else, Happy Hour with Johnny and Deuce is always down with is paying some bills because we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. This episode of the Happy Hour with Johnny and Deuce is brought to you by... RetroGameTreasure.com Get real retro games for the old school consoles you love delivered to your door every month. They have consoles like the NES, Super Nintendo, Genesis, PlayStation 1, Game Boy, Game Boy Advanced, and more. Tell them the type of games you like and what games you already own so you don't get duplicates. You even get a wish list. It's not a rental service. And best yet, you keep the games. Use promo code HAPPYHOUR and save $2 off your first month. Learn more at RetroGameTreasure.com and don't forget to tell them that the Happy Happy Hour with Johnny and Deuce sent you.
And we're back with a happy hour with Johnny and Deuce. And now, John, what I want to ask you about, because we talked about one of our loves on the show, which is wrestling, but one of our other big loves on the show is comics. How did you kind of, like, get into the business and, like, what were some of the things that you liked as a kid? Like, what were the comics you were reading as a kid? When I was a kid, uh, I would read just about anything I could get my hands on, to be honest. About 10 years old, I would get dropped off from school. And I don't know if you may, you're a little bit younger than I am, but back in the day, they had these little drugstores would have spinner racks. Oh, yeah, 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 where they'd have all the new comics were on the little spinner rack. Now, there wasn't a lot out there by way of independence. It was usually all DC and Marvel. Uh, but back in the day when you didn't have like 15 different series of Spider-Man going, there's like one yeah. spider So my parents would give me a little bit of money. About twice a week, I'd stop at the Rexall Drug and grab me a few comics off the spinner rack. You know, the ones that stood out the most were probably like Blue Beetle was a big one for me. Uh, the X-Men, X-Factor, I don't remember yeah. X-Factor. Uh, the Avengers, those kind of books. And, and reading Blue Beetle uh, got my attention to an artist by the name of Del Barris, which this kind of leads into how I got into comics. Um, for people who don't know, I am an attorney is my regular job. But I had always you know, loved comics and loved writing. And when I hit my 40s, I decided, you know, if I'm ever going to write comics, I better give it a shot at some point or just forget about it. Yeah. So, yeah, so about two and a half years ago, I did a little research and I found Dell's uh, address out in California. Now, I'd never met him or, or spoken with him or anything, but I wrote him a letter, told him how I admired a lot of the work that he had done and that I had an idea for a comic, sent it off, and never thought I'd hear back from him. But about two months later, I got a letter back from Dell with a business card and, and a note that said, give me a call. I need to talk. So I called him up, and, and uh, he said, send me a script. I'd love to do it. We sent him the first, I sent him the first Rochelle script. Never written a script before. I just kind of did a Google, how do you write a, com uh, a comic book script, and kind of just went off of what I just saw. Just winged it. I just, just winged it. Yeah, that's and, a happy hour with Johnny Deuce motto. Just wing it. So. Just wing it. And, yeah. and pretend like you know what you're doing. Oh, exactly. <laughs> so, I, uh, so that's what I did. I sent him a script. He said, I love it. Let's do it. He drew the first book up and presented it and introduced me to a gentleman by the name of Mark Heike, who is with AC Comics. I don't know if you've heard of AC. They're located in Central Florida, and their primary book is a series called Femforce, which has been out probably about 35 years or so. Okay. Okay, and I talked with Mark, and he said, you know, I like the idea. We'll run you as an issue number zero on the back of our Femforce series. I think it was Femforce number 170. So he did that, and... Uh, there we got noticed by a gentleman named Joe Dunn, who's the CEO of Antarctic Press out in Texas. And Joe saw it. He shot me an email. He said, are you with AC? And I said, well, we did this, this one book run, and I'm kind of interested in seeing if anybody would, would like the book. He said, well, we like it. So from there, he sent me a contract and a small check, and he said, send me two more issues, and let's go. Well, that's, that's we, awesome. Yeah, so we got that three-book run that, that everybody saw, and uh, they hooked me up with a colorist that works with them by the name of David Hutchison who also did our cover art, and, uh, and now we got the next three on, in, on the way. So I like to tell people, here I was two and a half years ago. I was on the other side of the table going to these comic conventions. Now I'm sitting down signing books that people are swinging by. It's kind of neat. Well, that is really, really cool, which I actually got to ask you about that because being I, – I, we've kind of had the same experience going to cons as fans, but now being able to go as the podcast and the show and entertainers and being on the other side of that table – how has that experience been for you? It's, it's amazing. I mean, it's it feels so good to have someone appreciate what you do, you know. And, again, you know, people ask, you know, what's the best? And you asked this before. What's the nicest part about it is being able to do it with my daughter. She'll go to the cons with me. And, and we sit there, and she poses for pictures with fans. I'm signing books. Sometimes I even want the real Rochelle, you know, on a book and, and I think just that experience is it's like living a dream something I never would have imagined would happen I mean it was nice to see the book get published but then to also receive the positive reception that it's got it's just kind of a bonus well also it's got to be an even bigger bonus to be able to share this whole thing with your daughter I mean that's got to be just the mind-blowing part of it to be able to share the experience with her and have her kind of come along on this amazing ride with you exactly and have the common interest I mean you love to be able to do something with your kid, but to actually have that common interest to be able to travel together and do things together, it's, it's, it's really a blessing. It really is. Well, we finally got Johnny back. Hey, what's going on, hey. John? How you doing? Good to see you. Yeah. You too, you too. I was a little busy with the, with the children. Um, 
But uh, no, it's it's exciting because I you know I got to see you at uh, Tim Bay Comic Con and you know you're out there and and uh, it was really cool to see the response and people you know checking things out and everyone has their own different art and it's it was just really fun to come in and chat with you and, and uh, meet your family as well. Yeah, I think you had your mother and your um, father-in-law there and they you know everyone's really nice and it's a whole family thing. I think that's what makes it work for you is that you know you have the support you have a good support system at home that that believes in what you do, which really helps you know, to be able to get this off the ground as well. So having a good support system at home, you know, we wouldn't be doing what we did if we didn't have a good support system. No, so because we got Brandy, our third member, is a great support system. He's watching the kids right now. She's our third member of the show. And and we definitely couldn't do it without Brandy. I mean, without her help, helping us with the kids and everything. So we can come back here and we can talk to, to guests and we can do the show. I mean, uh, the, 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 it's, it's the grease on the wheels, if you will. I mean, the mm-hmm. show wouldn't run without her. I mean, really, it's, it's, it's the oil that runs a machine. And you nailed it, you know, on the head. I mean, if, having that family support is, is fantastic, but also believing in yourself. I tell that to people all the time when they come by the table. They say, hey, how did you, how are you doing this so quickly? And I, I said, you got to believe in yourself, you know. If you ask 100 people, if you, if you hand your, your script or, or your show idea to 100 people and if 99 of them tell you no and one says yes, you're a success. Yeah. You just got to keep your head up there. And, and, and understand that not everybody's going to love everything you do. Yeah. But if a person loves it, you made it. Well, and I think that that's kind of the prime example of our show because when we started this thing, we had a lot of naysayers and we had a lot of people that said, you know, oh, it's just you two guys dicking around. You know, this isn't going to come of anything. But now, you know, we got 6,000 listeners episode. We're number one in Polk County. I mean, we, we, we turned this thing into something big, but – we didn't have – I mean, we definitely had the support of friends and family, but the, the, we had a lot of haters in the beginning, let's just say. We we had a couple of haters. A couple of haters, <laughs> yep. Uh, but, uh, you know, we've kind of turned that around, and now it, it's – you know, I, I very few people I run into are not on the bandwagon anymore because everybody knows kind of the power of the podcast and understands that, you know – the happy hour name has got something pretty big attached to it, and they're they're ready to rock and roll with us. Where before it was like, yeah, I don't know, I, you know. But now that we're you know two hundred twenty episodes deep, six thousand listens an episode. I mean, it, it, people know, you know. Well, and I think it's cool make, too. Go ahead, John. Yeah, it's one of the neat things too. I, I see. Obviously, I hear the book sales and things like that, but you don't really see the reality of it. Too, for example, I'll, I'll get pictures on Facebook. From, there's a gentleman from Greece. Every time he picks up a copy of Rochelle in Greece, he mails me a photo of himself holding it. I'm getting pictures from, from Greece, from England, from Canada, from all over the U.S. of, of fans that are out there. And, and when that actually starts settling in, you're like, wow, really? You know, I, when am I going to go take a trip to, like, Germany or something and walk in a bookstore and see myself on the shelf? It's just, there's nothing like that feeling. Yeah, it's wild. We actually, because... Now, we can't get all of our analytics because of iTunes and Stitcher and things like that. But SoundCloud does a pretty good job of giving us the analytics. And we get a lot of, like, listeners in Brazil and in Russia and in all these different countries. And we're like, wow, like, we never would have expected our, you know, little show in Polk County, Florida to blow up to now where we've got a bunch of listeners in Brazil. To we have to a, a we have a contingency of about 30 people from Brazil that listen each episode, so yeah, it's kind of cool. Yeah. yeah, obrigado for all the people listening uh, that speak Portuguese. So. In Brazil, I guess that's Portuguese. I was going to say La Cucaracha Rochelle. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it's really cool. And also, it's, the thing is, is we all, Deuce and I treat this as like a family atmosphere, because we we bring people on that we're we're passionate about. We just don't bring on anybody. We bring on we bring on artists. We we bring on writers like yourself. We bring on cosplayers. We bring on people that you know really are passionate about what they do. And we want to put that on display because I don't know if Deuce said this before with you earlier, but like you know sometimes people don't get a chance to see the real you. You know they just see it's you know really your point. artwork and your and they don't get to know that there's a oh there's a person attached to that name and who they are and who they're where they're from and all that i think for like for you guys for example the passion for what you do shows yeah and i think that that that's something our fans can hear and listen to because it, it i might put my own foot in my mouth on this but we almost shy away from celebrities because it's like well everybody's heard their story i want to put the spotlight that we have on somebody whose story might not be getting told or whose story might not be getting a lot of publicity uh, and we wanted to put our spotlight on you so they could hear about the Kickstarter, which, John, give, it, give them the, the, how they can find the Kickstarter and Rochelle and all that good stuff. Okay. With Rochelle, uh, for instance, you can go on my 
page. I have a, I have a regular site. It's RochelleTheTeenCockroach.com. If you go to that, that'll give you direct links to all of our social media. We're on Facebook. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. So it's probably easiest just to, to go straight to that site. Most of our books, or all the books, all the Rochelle books are available worldwide. However, sales have been really good. So a lot of stores have sold out. Yeah. Uh, but you can get any back issue of Rochelle directly from our publisher. Uh, at, at Antarctic Press, it's like a little dash, antarctic-press.com. You can order any of the back issues there. You can find it on Comixology if you're into the digital uh, the digital books. That's awesome. Uh, with Nikolai, uh, right now, Nikolai, all of the books are available only. You can get some limited books right now through Kickstarter. Um, again, Kickstarter is a crowdfunding, and this is what's allowing Nikolai to get his book out there. But the Kickstarter uh, campaign is running until for about 12 more days. It runs until November 20th. You can go online to Kickstarter, kickstarter.com. If you want to back the book, which is the only way you can get these, these copies now, you, you need to sign up for an account, which is very simple. It's self-explanatory. You just need an email address, basically. Right. And then you can go to comics, type in Nikolai. It'll pop up the project. You'll see all the different options. It's low as $2. For $2, you can get a digital copy. You can get a print copy for $5. You throw in a little bit more money, you're getting autographed books. You can get art commissions from Dell. You can get autographed photos from Nikolai. Right now, I, I like to put this out there because it's really exciting. Within four days, we met our original funding uh, wow. goal. Wow, that's awesome. We, Congrats. We were picked by Kickstarter as uh, as a comic we love. We were training as the number one comic on Kickstarter for about two weeks. Wow. Uh, so it was doing really well. And because of that, and because we've met our funding goal, we just today, actually, or was it yesterday, last night, we hit our first, first stretch goal. So for those of you who don't know what those are, we set certain stretch goals where you can get incentives. All backers get certain incentives. So right now, anybody who backs for a physical copy is going to automatically get a free signed bookmark. Oh, wow. awesome. Now you just throw five bucks in. Now, because it's gotten so high, you automatically get the signed bookmark by the creative team. If we hit the next $500, we got 12 days to get there. Everybody's going to get automatically an autographed bookmark from Nikolai. Oh, wow. Awesome. So Oh, if we hit that five another five hundred dollars just for five bucks, you're getting a Nikolai autographed bookmark in the copy of his first book. So you can see where there's some great incentives for people out there to do that. That's awesome. Now, once this campaign goes, of course you won't be able to get these limited ones if you go outside the Kickstarter. But once this campaign ends, we have uh, we're being published by a publisher out of Alabama called Inverse Press, and Inverse Press has partnered up with a Florida publisher called uh, uh, Cosmic Times. Sometime later in the year, or beginning of next year, Cosmic Times is going to take the book to Diamond. And, and, and it will be available to comic book stores around the world, just like Rochelle is, through Diamond's distribution. But if you do that, you will get the, you can get a physical copy, but you won't be able to get the signed copy, obviously, from, from Nikolai or some of the exclusive covers. And then, once we get the three books out, they're going to reissue everything as a trade. So you'll, eventually, sometime down the road, probably in about a year or so, or, or maybe a little bit longer, you'll, you'll be able to get all three copies in the trade as a trade book. That's awesome. Awesome. Well, John, thank you so much for your time. We definitely want to have you come back on again once it gets closer to Rochelle re-releasing for the next three issues, which is going to be amazing. Is he going to be at Sci-Fi this he, year? He is going to be at Sci-Fi. Because yeah. I don't know if you told the story, but that's when I first met you was a Sci-Fi Bartow last year. Yeah, you no, go ahead, man. Literally right next to us. Yeah, booth. he was the booth next door, and I yeah. said how he had the Miz hat on. Yeah. And Al was like, all right, I know I'm going to like this guy. He's yeah. a wrestling fan. Yeah. So I already knew that you were going to be cool with us and cool with the Happy Hour with Johnny and Deuce. And like I said... We can't wait to see you at Sci-Fi Barto and definitely have you on the show again. And also, we want to have you on the show again once Rochelle comes back because he he just wrapped up his first three issues, which was one story arc, and they're going to release the next three issues sometime next year. And uh, we definitely want to have you on before that happens, and, and, and the sooner the better probably on that so we can get you some love so people go out and tell their comic book place, hey, I want to pre-order this comic. I want to make sure that it's here when it comes. Yeah, I appreciate it. If I could throw another couple plugs in. Sure, go sure. right ahead. Uh, this Saturday, for people in Central Florida, and I know you're probably, a lot of your followers and watchers are here in Central Florida, this Saturday I will be appearing with the artist on, on Rochelle and on Nikolai at Vieira Comics in Vieira, Florida. Okay. From 12 until 7. We'll be doing a book signing at, at their shop. This Sunday... Uh, my publisher, or I'm sorry, Tom Ralph, who runs Daytona Beach Comic Con, is flying Dell in from California, and we'll be appearing at Daytona Beach Comic Convention at Embry-Riddle this Sunday from 10 o'clock until 6 o'clock. 
And then on the 20th of November, Dell's going to not be here, but I will be appearing at Claremont Comic Con. And I'll be signing, I'll have, I'll have all of the issues of Rochelle with me if you don't have them. And we'll be signing copies of anything anybody has. So we've got a, a couple of things coming up. Well, brother, I'll tell you what we'll do. We are actually, me and Johnny both are going to be at Free Play Florida this weekend, which is a big uh, uh, convention all about retro gaming, which is at the... Uh, Double Tree by Hilton. Double Tree by Hilton. Near SeaWorld. You definitely want to check it out this weekend. Uh, we will do our absolute best. I think we can get this out on Friday, right? Yeah. Yeah. We'll get this out on Friday. So to make sure that everybody and all of our fans, if they can't come see us at Free Play Florida, uh, we hope they can come see you guys. And uh, definitely, we uh, I thank you again so much for coming on this evening and talking with us. I really appreciate you giving me the time. No worries. Anytime, man. We've got an open door policy here with Happy Hour with Johnny and Deuce, and you're always welcome, brother. Sounds good. Well, have right. a good dinner tonight, brother, and we'll talk to you again soon. See you, John. Take See you. Send it to as soon as you're up, too. I will, will do. do. We'll send it to you on Friday. All right, Sounds have good. a good one. Bye. See you, brother. Yep. Well, that was the amazing John Crowther, who is the, the creator of Rochelle the Teenage Cockroach, also the new Nikolai book that's coming out. Also, he's going to be one of the special guests at Sci-Fi Bartow. Speaking of special guests, we are going to be special guests today, this weekend, at Free Play Florida, so yes. you want to come out and see us, and yep. that's at... Double Tree by Hilton over there in your SeaWorld, um, and it's November 11th to the 13th when this episode airs. Obviously, it's Friday, yeah. uh, so the event will be going on, um, and we'll, Deuce will be the voice uh, of Free Play Florida, so you'll that be hearing his voice. You might hear my voice popping in and out as well. Yeah. Uh, I will be there all day Saturday, so come check me out as well, and um, Deuce will be there as well on Sunday. It's going to be an awesome event. You've got to check it out. I mean, you, you've got, like, Richie Knuckles and, and Todd Rogers. Um, Brian Colon. Brian, Co Brian Colon. I mean, you've got, I mean. Um, Manix showing up. Manix going to be there yeah. for the, the happy hour after dark, which yeah. is going to be cool. All kinds of people are going to be there. It's going to be amazing. going to have a lot of good times. Um, also, get our, Bar our friend Barrett Biggers, who we just interviewed yep. this past Tuesday. Warren uh, Art. Warren Art's going to be there. Congratulations to his uh, new baby. Uh, awesome. I mean, it's just great. It's it's awesome time right now. Everyone's excited. So come check us out. Uh, and, and like we said, if you can't go to our event, go check out John's events as well. For sure. So. For sure. And how do people find us on the internet, Deuce? You can find us at facebook.com forward slash happy hour podcast show. And don't forget to give us a like. Also, you can find all of our older episodes on soundcloud.com forward slash happy hour podcast. Also, check us out on Twitter at HH podcast show. Also, check us out at HH podcast show at gmail.com. Send us your emails. Also, don't forget to send us your emails from Buck from Retro Game Treasure. Ask the Buck. Yeah, he's going to be here really, really soon. Mm -hmm. So make sure you send us your questions. Ask the Buck at show at gmail.com. And of course, there's not one, there's not two, but there are three hashtags. Hashtag Happy, Happy Hour Podcast. podcast hashtag HH podcast, podcast Show. And hashtag Deuces on the Loose. Later. See ya.